What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It is David and Candace. We are here posting after the Grizzlies fall short against Boston, 120 to 107. They fall to 43 and 21. The Grizzlies had a fantastic opportunity tonight. They could have moved into sole possession of second place in the West and the second best record in the NBA. Just couldn't get it done. Boston just stayed out in front of them. The Grizzlies were able to kind of fight and claw back. The game started off terrible. They were not shooting the ball well. They couldn't buy a bucket in the first half. But the Grizzlies' yep. defense kept them in the game, and it, it, it stayed single digits for a long time. And then in the second half, the Grizzlies were able to claw, and they would get it below 10, and then Boston would go on a run. They'd get it back below 10, Boston would go on a run. So it just wasn't the Grizzlies' night. Jason Tatum gets, uh, you know, drops 37 and gets the W for his birthday you know, good good on him. Hate it for the Grizzlies. The Mavericks, the last I looked, were taking care of business against Golden State. And a loss by Golden State and a win by the Grizzlies would have put the Grizzlies in that two seed. But, Candace, what did you think about this game tonight? Well, it was a very interesting game. And I think it was good in terms of taking notes for the playoffs just because of how physical of a team the Celtics are. I think they were very physical and they really matched sort of the physicality that normally the Grizzlies can bring, but I don't think they quite matched today. Um, it was a terrible shooting quarter to start on both sides. And so we were, we were, we were lucky that way. I mean, we looked up at, at halftime and, and we, I think we were at, what down to 10. Yeah. 10. Yeah, or then, no, it was, no, it was two going into halftime. That's right. Yeah. So we were able to kind of keep it within reach. Like you said, just, just trying to have the defensive effort, but you know, I felt kind of down the stretch. I, I and maybe it's just me. I'll, I'll get your feedback on this, but, but I thought particularly in that third, early in the fourth quarter stretch, our perimeter defense just kind of fell apart. And I think that's where whatever momentum, momentum that we would have gotten, we just couldn't get the stops that we needed in order to, you know, make it pay off on the offensive end. So, but, but all in all, um, you know, you, the Grizz has been playing well. They've been, they've been on a streak. Sometimes you lose some. Sometimes it's just not your night. And I think that's what it came down to for the Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, it, it's well, – one thing Isaac and I, we were actually talking um, before this game a little bit on Twitter, and it, it, it's – the Celtics are a really good team, specifically – they're a really good team since the turn of the calendar. And I was trying to pull it up here while you were talking. You didn't give me enough time. It's all your <laughs> fault that I'm slowing us down here. <laughs> but it, it they they don't get enough credit, right? Like yeah. these, you get all of these teams making these big moves. And, you know, James Harden gets moved to Philly. And now you got James Harden and Joel Embiid. Then you get Ben Simmons out of Philly. He goes to Brooklyn. New York is going to get rid of the uh, vaccination mandate yep. and Kyrie is going to be able to play at home. And all the while Boston is just chugging along yep. since the turn of the calendar, they're 21 and eight and they're, they've got a plus 11 net rating. That is the best in basketball. The Grizzlies is good wow. as well. The Grizzlies are at uh, plus 6.9. That's good for third in basketball, but wow. that just tells you the, the gap, right? The Celtics defense has been incredible since the turn of the calendar. And that's, you know, credit to them. I think if you look at the stats tonight and you look at the shot attempts and where they came from, you absolutely have to give credit to the Celtics team. John Moran averages five threes a game, five three-point attempts a game. He took 12 tonight. 
I was yep. going to ask him about that in the post-game presser. DeMichael Cole asked him a question before they called on me, so I put my hand down because DeMichael's question was very similar to what I was going to ask. And before DeMichael could even get the question out, John Rant's like, I'm going to shoot. That, that's what I do. When, when they sag off of me, when they go under the screen, I'm going to shoot the ball. And he pointed out, he's like, you guys don't ask me these questions when I go five for five from three, but on a night where I miss them, like tonight, you, you ask me these questions and, you know, to me, five for five as compared to four for 12, there's a yeah, big difference there. It is. And, you know, like if he goes 10 for 12, are we asking him the question? No, probably not. But I, I still think that that's a fair question because, the Grizzlies win games by outpacing teams, second chance points, and they and outpacing teams points in the paint, second chance points. That's the three ways that they win games. Yep. They outpaced the Celtics tonight. They put up 99 shots. The Celtics only put up 89. They did not outscore them in second chance points, and they, they did end up outscoring them in points in the paint by eight. But the areas of the Grizzlies game – where they excel and they put teams away, the Celtics defense took that away from them tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and I think they play right into the Celtics hands. I, you know, I agree with you. I, I think to some extent you do want Jai and you want everybody else to shoot when there's an open shot, but it became less of shooting because they're sagging off you and more just settling. I think, especially because one of, one of my biggest complaints was the lack of ball movement before you get into the shot. I just don't think there was nearly enough ball movement. I think they were just chucking up shots just because they, you know, they saw it was open, but that that's exactly what Boston wanted you to do. And, and ultimately they got the best of them because of it. Yeah. It was an excellent game plan by the Boston coaching staff right. to say, Hey, let's sag off of them. Let's dare them to shoot this three and when they were daring them, the Grizzlies were shooting it. You know, you, the Grizzlies had 40 attempts from three. Ja had 12, Bain had 10, Jaron had four or five, I'm sorry, and Zaire had four. That's just your starting lineup. But they, they were shooting a three. They were not shooting it well. If you're shooting, you know, if you knock down four or five more of those threes, this is a different ball game. This game's a lot tighter. But they, they didn't. And, and the thing is, they were not bad looks. They were not forcing up the threes. The guys were sagging off of them. They were looks that you want the Grizzlies to take. But, like, it, it's, it's almost a double-edged sword. It's like, you, you don't want them to lose confidence in their shot. The way that Ja answered that question is the way that you want your superstar to answer the question. Hey, these guys are sagging off of me. I'm shooting the ball. I put in the work. I know what I'm doing out here. Like, I'm going to shoot the ball. That's the answer that you want from your superstar. But on the same hand, like I said, the three ways that the Grizzlies tend to win games is outpacing teams, points in the paint, second chance points. And they, they were not able to make up that difference. They're On most nights, they're not going to outshoot teams from three. They didn't do that tonight. They were minus four. Hold on, I'm looking at the wrong numbers. Minus three. So uh, minus nine from three tonight. And then the points in the paint, the Grizzlies usually dominate there. They were up by eight right there. So you're still down one. And then second chance points is another place where the Grizzlies help close that gap. And they lost second chance points tonight, largely in part to 
uh, Al Horford and him yep. just being a vacuum down there. It seemed like every time the ball was coming off of the rim, he was in the right spot. And I know that that's because, you know, like he's a, he's a veteran. He knows how to get to those spots. But the, the Grizzlies were just not able to keep them off the offensive glass tonight. And that's an area the Grizzlies generally dominate again, offensive rebounds. They yep. did out-rebound them 17 to 15, but that's not the kind of gap that you see whenever you see a Grizzlies win. It's just a, a combination of things, and it generally is. When, when you lose a game, there's generally a combination of things that lead to that. And tonight it was they gave up too many offensive rebounds to the Celtics. They didn't score in the paint like they needed to. And – off of the the offensive rebounds they didn't score enough so to me you take what you learn from this game fourth quarter was fantastic i think yeah you, you saw two of the the great young superstars in this game and, and i don't use superstars lightly i think that that term is kind of thrown around a little bit too much and yeah. i think you see guys that are not true superstars getting kind of that uh, that label and to me that there's not, I would say in the NBA, there's probably 15 superstars. There's a lot of stars. There's a whole lot of stars, right? But yeah. there, there's probably only about 15 superstars. And these two guys, Jason Tatum and John Morant are superstars and we got to watch them battle. It was fantastic to watch them go at it in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I wish the game would have been tighter. So, right. <laughs> you know, like it would have been that much more exciting it is what it is. You're not going to win every game. I knew that they needed to play well in this game. And that's what I told Isaac. You know, Isaac's like, I think the Celtics are getting a little bit too much hype. I think people are too high on them. I'm like, man, have you looked at what they've been doing? Yeah, they've not played tough opponents, but they've been winning games with defense and defense yep. translates. And that's, you look at when uh, Dallas went on their run, Dallas had kind of fallen back and then they went on a run. Over the course of that run, they were the number one defense in basketball. You look at this Celtics team and what they're doing over this run, it's because they're among the best teams in basketball defensively. And, and again, the, the best net rating in the league right now. And I guarantee you, if you ask nine out of 10 NBA fans, the Boston Celtics are not going to be in the top five out of their guesses. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they, they're they're a great defensive team. Like you said, they they're first in in a lot of defensive stats. I, I was actually surprised to hear that on the broadcast today. But you know, I think it's I think it's lessons like this that they have to take from and and really figure out how they're going to adjust this in the playoffs. Because because this is exactly what it'll look like. This is what teams will do. Teams will dare you to shoot. And there's a fine line, I think, that they have to figure out how to walk between taking advantage and making them pay, but also playing into your strengths and not letting not letting them goat you into doing what they want you to do to, for you to dictate your offensive game plan, not for it to be dictated for you. Yeah. And that's some of that is youth from the Grizzlies, you know, yeah. Jaws in his third year, there's still some stuff to figure out and playing games like this. And as they continue to go down the stretch, they're going to have to figure those things out because we, I know for a fact that you and I have discussed it. I don't know if it was on the, on the podcast or not, but the Grizzlies half court offense struggles. Their half court offense is, is not great. You yeah. talked about ball movement early on. That's something the Grizzlies had. What was it? 24 assists tonight. Yeah. 24. Yep, yep. You know, when, when the Grizzlies had 33, playing, <laughs> yeah, we, we, that's, 
great number when the Grizzlies are playing well and they they get up above that 30 assist uh, for the team mark they're they're generally beating teams and they're beating them pretty handily yep. so tonight you know the, the 24 assists that's not an awful number but you would like to see that number go up um and that's i i pulled the numbers up boston right now since january one has they're the best defensive team in basketball mm-hmm. by just just under four points so their defensive ratings 102.7 dallas is two at 106.3 so it's good defense wins you basketball games. You hear the, the cliche term defense wins champ defense wins championships, but that people say that because it's true. It, yeah. You know, like you, you go and you look at the teams that win the championship and, and what they're able to do. They play defense. Well, the Milwaukee bucks, Giannis, and it, he, he was insane in the finals making defensive plays there the defense travels your offense is going to come and go like you're going to have on nights and off nights that's going to happen but if you're playing good defense you can be in any game and and even tonight you know the Grizzlies did not win this game but their defense kept them in it this could have easily been way out of hand in that first half you look at the Grizzlies scored 45 points in the first half and they were down two there's no way that before this game started, you could have told me that they they would have had 45 points at half and been within two. I would not. I'd been like, no chance. That there's no way. 45 points at half, they would have been down 20. Would have been my guess. But their defense kept them in the game, so it's well. I'll, I'll say I'll say this. I, I do know part of it was their defense, but I don't think it was a just great defensive game from them. I, I really I really don't. I think a lot of the struggles in the first half had a lot to do with the fact that the Boston Celtics were struggling to shoot just as much as the Memphis Grizzlies were. And some of that was because of defense and some of it was just because they weren't making shots, which they proved later on in the second half because they, they had some strong defensive moments. But I, th- I thought there were several defensive lapses and maybe it was just me, but I saw a lot of it seemed like gambling. Uh, I think that just kind of left either open lanes or left uh, open perimeter shots. And it just seemed like the the shots that the Celtics got off, particularly as we go went from that third quarter kind of transition into the fourth, those shots were just wide open or there was just this fly, somebody, somebody flying by. I remember playing particular John Carter just <laughs> flew into the stands practically and, and, uh, and, and that was it. It was just an open bank shot for him. So that, that was a slight concern to me. I know that, that's something they can work on and something they'll probably get better at. But I'd say it, I don't think it was as strong as defensive performance personally. There were definitely lapses for sure, but I'm just saying in general, if their defense was not. So if you look at the first 20 games of this season, if you get that type of defensive effort in this game, the Grizzlies get blown out by 40. Yeah. And that's, that's the, you know, you look at, I, I think a great example of what you're pointing out, Grant Williams for the Celtics was three for three from three, Yes, all three, every single one of his three point shots were a corner three. And there was nobody within 15 feet of him. Yep. He was wide open on all three of them. And the Grizzlies do that. They get in trouble by overhelping that. That has been something it, it's, made me insane watching because a guy will overhelp off of a guy standing in the corner. And I will take 
a mid-range, a, a 12, 10 to 12 foot jump shot contested over a wide open corner three, a hundred times out of a hundred. Yep. You know, if your guy gets beat down low and that guy gets that, that mid-range jumper off, that's fine. But if you overhelp, then this dude's standing, which in the corner is the highest percentage three-point shot, yep. wide open over there. These are NBA players. They're going to make those more often than not. And you, we, we've watched it happen a number of times, so like recently a lot. There was um, in the Spurs game, there were a couple times it happened. Yep. And then going back. Good point. Um, I can't even remember. There was an, a game that they lost. Who did they play before the Spurs that they lost to? Uh, wasn't it Timberwolves? Yep, it was a T-Wolves game, and it was late. It was late. Desmond Bain overhelped, and it led to a D'Angelo Russell three oh, yeah. in the corner wide open that basically sealed the game for the Timberwolves. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was overall happy with the defensive performance. There were, de- you know, you shoot 52% from the field. There were definitely problems with it, but I, I would just say in general – if you, if they're not putting up effort on the defensive end, they're not in this game. Yeah, that's true. That's that's definitely true. Yeah, I give them that. And I'm and I'm just sort of I'm sort of nitpicking because I, I want I, you know I I want them to to see and, and really grow in these areas as we kind of ramp up here for the playoffs. So I'm sort of just I don't know <laughs> thinking thinking in terms of playoffs more than I am in regular season more than I am in the regular season and for regular season games most of the time if you can make a few more of those shots then that defensive that defensive effort wins you games. Yeah. And, hey, how great is it that we get to, you know, here we are the last few years it's been, okay, are they going to stay in the play and where, where are they yeah. going to be at? And now it's like they're in the playoffs. They could almost fall apart from here out and they're still going to be in the playoffs. Right. So it's good to have that, that cushion. I'm, I'm glad that we are at that point as a fan base – I asked Coach Jenkins, I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit here. I asked Coach Jenkins before the game about Dylan Brooks. Zach Kleiman came on his uh, post-trade deadline, media availability, and he said Dylan Brooks will be back early March. That's when we can expect him to be back. Right. Uh, we, we haven't gotten a ton of updates on Dylan and what he's been doing, and the Grizzlies never give us a firm timetable. Well, I was trying to, you know, like hold Jenkins to the fire today, but he sidestepped me and gave me coach talk. He said that, that Dylan has been participating one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three. They're hoping to progress that to five-on-five over the weekend, but he didn't have a, a firm timetable when he was going to be back. There's yeah. been talks about Dylan coming off of the bench when he comes back. They've done this with Jaron Jackson Yeah. last season. I hated it. It's yeah. To me, it's the dumbest crap ever and so i get the reasoning of taylor jenkins has specific rotations and there's a certain minute marker he's taking out uh desmond bain and jaron jackson bringing in kyle and um kyle know, and, uh, uh, yeah, yeah Mel- melton and kyle right. so i had a brain fart it just <laughs> melt, melt was not i'm like i know his name i'm looking at his name on my computer but my brain is not computing it what is going <laughs> on kind of day. <laughs> so but he, he has specific times that, that he does his rotations but you can change that what's the difference in changing that than having a guy 
that you know is going to be a starter come in and come off of the bench. Your rotations are not going to be the same. It's not the roles are not going to be the same. And there was a pretty good conversation about this on Twitter today. So I, I want to get your thoughts on it and and I'll give you more of my thoughts on it after you go here. But if Dylan comes back, their next game is in Orlando. Let me pull that up just to make sure I'm almost I'm 99% sure that's right. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's Orlando and I can't remember who they play when they get back on the on the next one, but maybe Houston. It's at home. It's it's Saturday at home against Orlando, and then okay. they play at Houston on Sunday. I had them backwards. Okay. The I thought they were in Orlando and then at home against the Rockets. Either way, their next game is at home against the Magic. If Dylan Brooks comes back in that game, where do you think he should be? Should he be starting? Should he be coming off of the bench? What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Yeah, I absolutely think when you bring Dylan back, you've got to put him in the starting lineup. Uh, I understand the arguments. Uh, there could be a lot of arguments against it. I know one of it is, you know, making sure he's worked back in properly for, for safety reasons. That, I think that was the main reason that we got from the coaching staff and front office on why they were doing that with Jaron. But you've got, I guess, what, it'll be 18 games left once you get if, if, if assuming he plays in the Orlando game, there's 18 games left and we're in the race for the playoffs. We're, we're getting, getting ready and gearing up to play in the playoffs. And I think if nothing else, this game was a starking example of why you need Dylan Brooks in the starting lineup. You need his defense against Jason Tatum, particularly in the fourth quarter when he's, he's the hot hand and you need somebody to play stronger on ball defense. You need, Half-court offense, it's yet another example today. That first quarter was abysmal. Nobody could hit a rock in the ocean. And I think Dylan Brooks is exactly when you need him. His spark, his energy, his ability to create um, off the dribble, that's exactly what you needed. You needed somebody who could get just a few buckets until the rest of the team could get going. And so I think there, there are other people who say that, you know, Zaire's improvement, would you rather have Zaire? Uh, come and have him continue to start and bring Dylan off the off the bench, have him close. And and my personal argument to that is, is Zaire just he doesn't yet have the experience that you need. Um, and he's also not that great at creating his own shot. He's learning how to de- how to create his own shot. And you can see his development in flashes, but development won't help you if you're trying to make a, a deep playoff run. Um, we've got Dylan Brooks who showed himself to be efficient, who showed himself to be uh, critical in a lot of those games against the Jazz in in the last playoff series. And I think you need all of that uh, for this next run if the Grizzlies have any chance of, of, in my opinion, getting out of the first round. I think how this game went, you can see uh, if if every game went like this, how every, every team played them like Boston played them, which in the playoffs they probably will. If yeah. Dylan's coming off the bench, I don't know if he's – I don't know if they win enough games to get out of the first round. What are your What are your thoughts? So, I, I want consistency. That That's what I want more than anything. Yep. If their plan is for him to be their sixth man coming off of the bench in the closing lineup, I mean, he, he's going to be in the closing lineup. There's no way that you don't have your best on-ball point-of-attack defender – in your closing lineup. There, there's yeah. zero chance that that happens. 
But if he is going to, if your plan is for him to come off of the bench for the remainder of the season, including the playoff run, then let him come off of the bench. Right. I don't agree with that. I don't think that that is how it should go. I think you and I are on the same page. But I just want consistency. If he's your starter, start him right off the bat. Don't mess around with it. Don't jack around with it. Is he going to come out and play 38, 40 minutes right off the bat? No, probably not. He's probably going to be on a minute restriction. Yeah. But you can still weave him in and out of your lineup. The same Zaire played 15 minutes tonight in the sag, and he was the starting three. So if you start Dylan and he's on a 15 to 20 minute uh minute restriction, play him the same way that you played Zaire tonight. And, and I know missing assignments and like the, there's things that affect when guys are coming in and out of the game, I, I, I know that that happens, but it, I was this way last year with Jaron. You knew that Jaron was your starter. There's no doubt. And to me, there's no doubt that Dylan Brooks is your starter. Right. Why Jack around with it? You've got 18 games. If you're lucky, if we get him back on Saturday where I, I don't think that's how it's going to happen, because if you watch historically, the way that the Grizzlies have updated their injury report, they have went from out to doubtful. Right. If they don't play that game when they're doubtful, the next game they're playing. Right. And, and we haven't seen the upgrade for Dylan. He's not been upgraded from out to doubtful. He's still out. So do we see the upgrade going into Saturday's game against um, the Magic? And then he comes back Sunday against Houston. That's, that's what I think. And so maybe, maybe that's what happens, but you, you have to, to me, you've got to give this team, there, there's going to be some integration time. Yes. Dylan has played with this team. They know what to expect from him. They know what he's going to bring to the table, but roles change slightly. Somebody was talking about shot attempts. There was a guy that talked about shot attempts and the, the Grizzlies shoot 94. They average 94 shots a game. If you give 45 of those shots to Bain and Moran, and that's pretty close to where they, they were at 43 tonight. Mm -hmm. So if you give 45 of those 94 to Bain and Moran, that leaves you 50 shots collectively to spread out through the rest of the team. Yep. You have Jaron at 18. That leaves you 32 shots. Dylan takes 15 to 18 shots. You still have 14 shots to spread out among the other players. And I, I'm telling you right now, there is not another player on this roster that, like, you you, you take Jaron, Desmond, and Ja out of the equation. There's nobody else on this roster that you can argue with me with a straight face and tell me that you would like to have them taking shots over Dylan Brooks. Right. And right, if you, exactly. If, if you are, if you're going to have that argument with me, if you're going to come at me and tell me that you would rather see Zaire get those shots or you would rather see Kyle or Melton get those shots, go back to the freaking Utah Jazz playoff series and look what Dylan was able to do. Yep. Defensively, he was fantastic. Great players are going to get, get their shots. They're going to get their points. It's going to happen. You got to make it tough on them. He done that. But Dylan Brooks was super efficient in that series so you can't tell me that him taking 15 to 20 good shots for this team 
is a bad thing. There's no argument that I will listen to that will change my mind. And I think if you're on that side of the fence that you've bumped your head too many times, or you ate paint chips as a kid, or your mama didn't love you enough, (laughs) whatever it is, like, it's just, it's crazy to me. Do I want to see Zaire get playoff rotation minutes? Absolutely. Said it a hundred times on this show. This team does not reach his full potential if Zaire Williams does not reach his. But if you get, to me, development is great. When you get to playoff time, when you get into the playoffs, it's time to win. Yeah. And in my opinion, I don't think you gain a tremendous amount from starting Zaire over just letting him come off the bench. I don't think that makes any difference personally in his development. Those, those minutes will be extremely valuable to him regardless of the circumstances. We're talking about a rookie here. But if you're if you're putting that ahead, if you're putting future value ahead of the current opportunity to win, I think that I think that's a mistake. I think that's a mistake. And and this team, I know we still have a bright future. We will still have a bright future if Zaire Williams comes off the bench in the playoffs and does not start. Yep. And that's whatever happens that this front office, this coaching staff, I have faith in them. Yeah, they've done a lot of things right. This is not the Chris Wallace Grizzlies. The, these guys have done a lot of things the right way. So we don't have a lot of reason to doubt them. We don't have a lot of reason to, you know, be like, holy crap, what are you doing? We, we, we It's not there with these guys. So whatever they decide to do, it's fine. I'm going to support them. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm done being a Grizzlies fan because they didn't start Dylan when he came back. I don't have to agree with every move that they make. I'm going to support them either way. I I just, I can't wrap my mind around their reasoning for the reason, like how they brought JJJ back last year. Was he healthy? Has he been healthy since? Yes. This Dylan Brooks injury is not a knee surgery. This is an ankle injury. Yeah. And it's not, it's not even like a, a, it's a sprain. It was a high ankle sprain and he's been out. He's missed 20 something games. Yeah, and I, I think I do understand to some extent because of the type of injury and you really do want to be super careful about Jaron's long-term health. You know, overall, sometimes big man's, big men can be more injury prone. So I get the circumstances of why they did that for Jaron, even though I think it I think it messed with the team quite a bit, um, especially during that run into the playoffs. But uh, for Dylan, like you said, it's a different type of injury. Injury is different circumstances completely. I, I I think you play him. I think you stick him right back in. And if you want minutes restrictions for his for his health, then you can do that. But bringing him in off the bench is just wasting time, especially if you want to work him back into the starting lineup that that wastes everybody's time. And I think ultimately, for, I know you mentioned earlier about the the chemistry with him and the in the rest of the starting lineup getting that gelling it. But I, I think even if you bring him off the bench, there's going to be some some level of of, of adjustment for that so I think people who just think he's gonna pop if, if it's best he pops right into the bench so he doesn't interfere with the chemistry of the starting lineup either way chemistry will be affected to some degree you'd yeah, rather that go towards the long-term goal and and maximizing your talent and putting your talent in the best position to be able to help you win so what if you bring him off of the bench I, I just feel like that like questions pop up of like guys question their role. Like we know what Desmond Bain does. 
We know what the team wants him to do. When you get a guy like Dylan Brooks back, if you're bringing him off of the bench, Desmond, Desmond Bain's role doesn't change. When you put Dylan back into the starting lineup, does that affect Desmond Bain? Essentially, like the answer to that question would be no. You still want Desmond Bain to get up you know, between 13 to 17 shots a game, you want him shooting the threes, you want him attacking the basket, but there will be an, there'll be an adjustment period. When Dylan first came back from his injury early in the year, you saw Desmond Bain almost kind of step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's out of that shell. Now he, he's been struggling a little bit lately. He had 17 points tonight on six of 14 shooting, but I, I just feel like, the roles are not defined when you bring him off of the bench. That's not the role that he's going to be in. And so there's gray areas as to what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree. And in fact, I'd say for, if, if I'm a defense and I'm playing the Grizzlies, it's an advantage to me if you bring Dylan off the bench, because right now teams are game planning primarily for Desmond and for Ja is the offensive threats of the team. And so if you bring in Dylan and you've got that third offensive weapon for the team, then I think that as if I'm a defense, that dramatically impacts my game plan. So maybe you get a, you get a better performance long-term out of Desmond Bain, at least there may be some initial bumps in the road, but long-term you can get a, a lot better performance because defenses, they, they have to pick one. They have to either focus on Dylan or focus on Desmond Bain with jaw. And so it makes your team stronger. I think, and it makes them harder to defend, which is the number one goal in the playoffs. And another point too that 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 came up is the bench isn't even going to be as relevant. I mean, your bench is still important; they'll play a role, mm-hmm. but it, it really is going to be the best talent that needs to stand out and needs to beat the other team's best talent. The, the role the the bench won't play as many minutes. Kyle Anderson played twenty four minutes tonight. I don't think we'll get Kyle Anderson with Dylan back playing 24 minutes in, in a playoff game. And so why mismanage the, the minutes? I think if, if you were to, if you do that. I think when you get to the playoffs, Taylor Jenkins, right? He runs a 10 man rotation during the regular season, but that shortens up to seven or eight guys whenever it comes right. to playoff time. Right. I do. I think the way that you worded it on Twitter was almost perfect. You said, it's about the starters beating the starters on the other team in yep. the playoffs. That's when it matters. You don't get – the Grizzlies bench is phenomenal, and the Grizzlies bench is going to outplay a lot of the teams in the NBA because of their depth. But when you get into the playoffs and the other teams only playing their their six or seven, eight best players, you don't get that gap in talent. Right. That, that gap is not there. And so that that's why it matters – we're making all of these arguments for Dylan to be in the starting lineup. I, I, I've got a counter argument and, and say, can he be a great weapon off of the bench? 100% he could be. Yeah. You know, you, you look back historically at some of the, the, the teams, um, especially like uh, teams that, that were dynasty, they had a sixth man that could come in and, and do things at an extremely high level whenever the stars were not on the floor. So there are definitely arguments on the side of having Dylan come off of the bench that hold weight. But for me, it's, it's a no brainer for him to be in the starting lineup. And again, if you're doing the minutes restriction, 
you can stagger him to his 20 minutes the same way that you played Zaire tonight, and it's not really going to affect the rotation that much. Not enough that I, I think that you have to start with him coming off the bench and then work him into a starter's role. I think that that is crap. Yeah, and, and to your point, you know, I think that's something that you may look at next year. So there's a difference between is that the answer for the remainder of the season and is that an answer long term? I think that argument has a lot more merit to it because there are valid reasons, Dylan's inefficiency, um, you know, making sure that you get the ball, the ball into the best hand, hands. Um, and our bench does need some offensive create somebody who can create off the dribble. So that that is a, a need. And Dylan can help fill that, like you said. But it's a timing thing. And, and now is not the time to run those experiments. And now is not the time to tinker with it to see if it'll work. And, and especially because, and, and I may be alone on this. I know Dylan's got some real haters out there, but I don't think that Dylan's ever shown he's unwilling to, to be a passer or to defer, or he's unwilling to maybe not be efficient, but I think he will defer to others in a role. I think Dylan sometimes gets tunnel vision, particularly when he feels like nobody else is making shots and he determines that it's going to be him. Yeah. When he's got yeah. other teammates around him and he's got other pieces around him, uh, there are some times where you go Dylan past the ball, don't get me wrong, but it's not overwhelming and it doesn't lose your games. I think I can only recall two times this season and both times Ja was out. I think it was the Portland game that they lost uh, a while back and it I think maybe along that 10 and two run, they lost a Portland game. I think he had 32 points or something. And he did sort of get tunnel vision kind of there at the end, but it, it's not like anybody else was making shots and Ja was out for that game. And I think the other one was probably the OKC game when Ja first came back from, from injury and he sort of got two tunnel vision, I think put up too many shots and uh, ultimately they lost that game. But outside of that, I, I think people assume that Dylan wouldn't evolve, but he's never really needed to until this point. So, but, but he, he has, he has evolved. If you go back to some of the, the post-game pressers when he was healthy, there was one specifically where he said, coach has got me passing the ball. So I'm really hard to stop. Those were not his exact words. I don't remember exactly how he worded it. He he definitely had some more swag on it, but <laughs> you know, he, people I think hold on to things too long. You go back to bubble Dylan. Yeah. That was the very bad forcing shots. Right. Um, Grayson Allen wide open in the corner for a three and you go one on four. You, you hang on to those things. You hold on to the bad stuff longer than you do the good mm -hmm. because you, it seems like for whatever reason, we just choose to remember the bad stuff longer. So it, it's, He's definitely evolved from the from Bubble Dylan to what he was last year in the Jazz playoff series. Massive, massive difference. He right. has he's proven, and there, there have been times this year where you could see that he was looking to pass the ball. Mm -hmm. And there were even sometimes he was looking to pass the ball so much that he passed up a shot that he would normally take. Yep. And I'm like, what are you doing? Shoot it. Like, you're wide open. That is Dylan Brooks. His money is like the Chris Paul mid-range. Chris mm -hmm. Paul has made his, his living, his career 
off that 10 to 18 foot range. If he gets in there and he gets to a spot, especially like the elbow by the free throw line, if he gets to that spot, it's over with. He's making it. And Dylan has a lot of that, like that, that yep. mid range, the 10 to 18 foot mid range stuff. Yep. If he gets open looks right there, he's knocking those down. And, and this so team needs that. You, you do. You absolutely do. T- guys, you have to have guys that can get their own shot in the playoffs. Desmond Bain has proven that he can do that this year. He's struggling right now. So when the Grizzlies offense is struggling, it looks worse than what it is. But yeah. you got Ja. You know Ja can do it. You know Des has proved that he can do it this year. And Dylan done it all year last year and into the playoffs. And then not to mention you have Jaron who is able to to do it as well. There are things that have to happen in order for Jaron to be able to do it at a, I won't say a high level. He can do it at a high level anytime, but I think other guys have to be clicking in order for it to be successful for Jaron to do it. So you have, you have guys that can do it. uh, Just got to get everybody healthy. And and Dylan is not far away. I'm kind of glad that Desmond's going through this slump right now. I, I kind of, hope it continues for a couple more games and then he gets it out of his system and he plays well the rest of the season. You know, <laughs> like, like just let it go for a stretch, get a five, six, seven game stretch here where the shots just aren't really falling for him. And then something clicks and he goes on a tear for the rest of the year. I wanted to keep this, this one shorter tonight, but we're, we're running a little long here. We're not quite at the hour mark, but go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll sort of, I'll sort of wrap up with this, but I, I think that uh, one, I, I agree with your point for Desmond Bain, but I think that Dylan can, when he comes back, will be the complimentary piece. I think you got Desmond's consistent shooting, relatively consistent shooting outside. You got uh, Jai's game in the paint. Uh, and then and then if Dylan can be that mid-range attached, and that's really the third thing that makes your offensive, your offense pretty much unstoppable. So um, I'm looking forward to getting all those guys together. Um, finally get seen get this team get healthy. We've only had seven games with our intended starting lineup, and so it's well past due for us to really see what the best version of this team can look like. Yeah, yep. Still plenty of games left to work on things. Uh, Again, tonight exposed some areas that the Grizzlies need to work on heading into the playoffs and in a seven-game series. You know that teams are going to attack your weaknesses. Teams are going to play defense a lot like Boston did tonight. This if you're setting up a blueprint of how to play defense against this team, I think Boston has a pretty good game plan. And I think that the Grizzlies will see a lot of this moving forward. So a lot of things to work on for them. Still doing well, 43 and 21 on the season. Good for third in the West half game back. It looks like the Warriors did end up falling to the Mavericks. So the Grizzlies will have an opportunity. They can climb into that second spot. Devin Booker went down. I'm like, oh, maybe the Grizzlies can climb to one. There are a lot of games between the Suns and the Grizzlies. I don't think that they're going to make it to one, but they can yeah. definitely get into that two seed. Without uh, without Draymond Green, the Warriors just are not their self. So it's still a good team. They still got Clay, still got Steph, a lot of talent on that team. But I think Draymond Green is the glue that keeps that team together. So they, they are definitely not as threatening without him on the roster. But right. we'll wrap it up. I told you guys I would have the, the promo last show. We talked about Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy. 
And the best part about it, you don't have to worry about the bench players. You don't have to know these no-name guys that, oh, I'm going to load up with stars on top and just get value guys on the bottom. This is all star players over at Thrive Fantasy, and you are picking overs and unders. You, It's all prop, prop bets. You have a list of 20 prop bets, and the odds are based off of how likely they are to go over under these numbers. You pick 10 out of the 20 and get your share of the prizes. They've given away over $6 million already. If you go over there and you sign up, you use the promo code ETHOS, they're going to match your initial deposit up to $100, 100%, and you'll get a couple of tokens to go just play some uh, random stuff. I don't know. The tokens kind of change from day to day. I don't know what tokens you get right now, but I do know that you get two tokens to get into different contests. So go over, check them out at Thrive Fantasy Prop Up with us. If you are not super familiar with that, you need some help. Check out our guys over on the Hootball Gaming side. Sorry, Sports Ethos Gaming side. I, I've done well the entire show. I didn't say Hootball <laughs> once, and then at the end, I, I fumble it. But the promo code, again, at Thrive Fantasy is Ethos, E-T-H-O-S. That will get you an initial deposit match up to $100 and a couple game tokens to go and play some other things. Go check that out. Let them know that we sent you. It helps us out. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. We didn't really go over the box score tonight, but I think we kind of weave that in throughout the show. Great conversation. Candice, it's always a pleasure having you on. I'm glad that you are doing this more frequently with us. Makes it great. I, I love having a third voice on the show tonight. It was just us two, but it's good. Um, yeah. I'll let you tell everybody where they can find you, and then I'll get us out of here. All right. All right. Awesome. It's it's a great time to talk Grizzlies. It's a wonderful time to be a Grizzlies fan. So I'm always happy to be on here with you guys. You can follow me at C as in Cat Hawks at C as in Cat Hawks 901. C as in Cat Hawks 901. And you can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies, E-T-H-O-S Grizzlies. I am at David W2111. Our guy Isaac is not with us tonight, but he is at Isaac underscore rivals. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back with a post game after Saturday's win at home. We'll get some out of time. We need a W at the, at the crime house. So thank you again.